Life Audio. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to How to Save the Bible. This is Nicole. I'm joined here with my friend Rachel. Hey, everybody. What you drinking today? I'm drinking like oil slick, whiskey proof level coffee out of my French press. (laughs) It is, it is black as an abyss and it's amazing. (laughs) Rachel and I have been recording for a few minutes getting our. Bible recording in and she keeps on saying, Hold on while I take a sip of my coffee. Like she can't. She's I can't. I'm a, I'm a junkie. And shout out to the librarians of Montreal College who gave me this French press, which has changed my life. Oh my goodness. Love them. I love it. Uh, that's so awesome. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Well, Rach, this has been exciting. Just want to share a few updates with you. Hey, we've got 298 reviews on the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. And let me tell you, this this is a hard thing to do. It is not easy to rate or review a podcast. Apple makes it hard. They make it hard. I respect commitment. A real fan. Like, you've got to be like, (laughs) I am in it to win it with this thing. So I'm not trying to throw out a challenge, but somebody's about to be $2.99 and somebody's about to be $300. So if you guys want to rate and review the podcast, it helps other people find it. There's like on the radio where if you're like caller number 300, you get you win a prize or something. I don't think we have a prize. Here's the problem. Like, I'm such a competitor, (laughs) Rachel, that if I was listening to this, I would be like, okay, well, then I'm not writing until $2.99 gets written because (laughs) I've got to write 300. So I can't promise anything. I just have to say it's between you. We and have no, we have no raffle tickets. We have nothing to give away. <laughs> nothing. We literally have nothing. But we do sometimes have things, which is cool. Okay, so I wanted you guys to know that. Also, want you to know that there's a reading plan to go with this Bible highlight reel. The reading plan, honestly, is great to check out because we're doing such a high flyover. But if you were to read each week the things that we laid out for you, you're really going to get a great connection to these concepts from Scripture. So you can pick that up at NicoleUnis.com slash Old Testament. Just a free download over there on the website. So that's something you can print out, put it up on your wall. Do people have walls anymore? I feel like people only have I computers. Think, yeah, just, they still have walls, you know, in their, 
<laughs> whatever that means. Like, I like to put things up on my wall. That's yeah. the kind of person I am. So if that helps you. Okay, you guys. So we're going to get into it. We're in week three and we are still in Genesis because it's important. Still here. Yeah, still trucking. We're going to be in Genesis next week, too. We're we're we're, we're camped out in Genesis. This is really important. Everything else makes sense, though, out of Genesis. So we are really like building those foundations. Mm-hmm. And we're in Genesis 15 today. So we just spent a little time reading it. And you guys can listen to that podcast just from yesterday. If you want to hear the scriptures first, we're reading in the New Living Translation and, and speaking from it today. Um, I love different translations. New Living, Rachel, give us give us your two lines that you tell your students about the New Living Translation. Uh, it's it's great when if you're re- especially when there's difficult concepts like very theological words like mm-hmm. things like justification or righteousness that you're trying to kind of wrap your head around. New Living is really great for stuff like that to really kind of help you get the gist of what's happening. And maybe a way that's a little bit more accessible just linguistically than some of the other translations. Yeah, generally New Living is about an eighth grade reading level and it's a thought for thought translation. So um, you're going to get a little more interpretation within it, but really, truly just a great, great. I mean, it's not just a starter translation. It's an awesome translation. I love it. It'd be very helpful for kind of orientation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So we're reading for the New Living today and we just read through this chapter and we're just going to jump right in. So, Rachel, first off, when we just read through this, what does it say? What what stands out to you in this passage? I mean, it's a crazy, it's a crazy passage. It feels like it needs a movie scene. A lot of things it? happening. Yes. The, yes. There, there's a lot that stands out. One, there's the, there's just kind of this interaction Abraham has with God about this promise. And we know that we're going to get into in the backstory. There are kind of layers to this promise, but this whole conversation that they have about this son that hasn't shown up yet. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, I feel like we come into a conversation that sort of feels like it was already going. Yes. You know, like it's not. We're, like, we jumped in in like season two of the series. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> season you got to go back in season one. Yeah. And honestly, after reading it through, reading about the, the, the everything that keeps getting cut in half, this feels like a really violent version of like the Christmas song, like the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> of like the turtle doves and the partridge and the pear tree. It's a very deconstructive <laughs> <laughs> 12 days of Christmas. Well, I also I also was struck because, I mean, obviously this for for anyone who's like spent time really exploring the themes of scripture, this is like the deal. Like everyone's like Genesis 15. You got to know Genesis 15. So reading it again, kind of fresh, I realized like Abram had a little like he had some things to do to make this happen. Like God invited him into what this promise was. Like he he brought the animals. He had to kill the animals. He was keeping the vultures away. Like he he had a part in it. Which is interesting just to think about, like, he was a willing participant, right, in what God was doing. And it's just, it's a little scary, actually. I mean, this would not be a scene, a movie scene that you would show the four-year-old. Uh, Abraham's put in a deep sleep, a terrifying darkness comes terrifying down. Darkness. Flaming I mean, pots doing it's like things. nightmare. It might as well just said nightmare. A nightmare yeah. came upon him. Like, yeah, yeah and not like going on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely powerful. So, yeah, I mean, then, of course, the other thing I notice is is the promise itself. And mm-hmm. and what and what and why is is God making this promise feels like a big part of this this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the other thing that stood out to me is there there's clearly something happening with all the weird cutting the animals, walking through it. Like there's a lot to that. And so it makes me really want to deep dive and kind of what scriptures how that how that's going to unfold over over scripture. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those places where, guys, if you're reading the scripture, you should be thinking to yourself, oh, I definitely want context. Like I should, I want to understand historically, like what is going on for sure. There's a lot here, as we said, but we got kind of three things I think to talk about just from our observation, right? We've got 
the relationship with God, we've got the actual promise that's being given, and then the way the promise plays out, like this whole kind of second half of the chapter. So let's dive in a little bit and let's answer the question, what's the backstory here? Like we said, we feel like we're coming into season two. So can you take us back to season one? Like what was happening before this? Yes. So season one, episode two was last week. Right. There's actually a lot of back. There's a lot of backstory that's happened because so we're at Genesis 15 and we wrapped up at Genesis three last week. There's a lot of chapters between then or, you know, however, math, it's too early in the morning for me to try to be doing that. But that's not uh, that's not our specialty. None of us none of us went into ministry because of math. Uh, so, but the point being, there is a lot that has happened in the world since Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. In fact, mm-hmm. some scholars estimate about 2,000 years worth of happenings, right? So wow. Genesis 4 to 11 is about 2,000 years. And the moral of the story is that the plane keeps going down. It just gets yeah. worse and worse and more violent and more corrupt and more wicked. And it's pretty despondent by the time you get to Genesis 11. Mm. And and then we hit Genesis 12. And that's where God launches the rescue mission that the rest of the Bible is going to unfold for, mm. for the rest of the 66 books. And it, what we learn is that God is going to start this rescue plan with one little old elderly childless couple, Abram and Sarai. And so we first meet them in Genesis 12. And the first conversation he has with God, I think, is really important backstory. So here's just the first four verses of, mm. of Genesis 12. And this is when they Abram first encounters God. Uh, now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Mm -hmm. Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And so God launches Abraham on this kind of legendary road trip. And basically the the ancient equivalent would have been Abraham is living in Washington, D.C., New York City. And God says, I want you to move to where Rachel Toon's house is in like backcountry North Carolina. And I'm going to bless you. Like move to the middle of nowhere and I'm going to do something. And Abram goes. Mm. But with this promise of having a child. Right. So so God promises to bless the entire mm. world through Abraham's family. And that is actually one of the most important things you can notice in all the Bible, because God's whole plan through all of Scripture is to use Abraham's family to bless the nations. Like that mm. has been the M.O. the whole time. It is still the M.O. What happens to Jesus? Uh, we could just deep dive into that. But the, the problem is that family doesn't exist yet. It's just Abram and Sarai who become Abraham and Sarah. And in our passage, which kicks in 10 years later, mm. Abraham still does not have a child. That still mm. has not happened. And he's still waiting for God to keep his promise. And that's mm. when we get Q, Q, next episode, Q, Genesis 15. Gotcha. And so Abram has acted in obedience. You know, even in Genesis 11, it says, go to the land, I will show you. It doesn't even say what the land is. It's basically like the equivalent of saying like, well, just head west. Like, it, 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 <laughs> just it, keep going. Just, it, yeah, like it takes a lot Head of- Head on I-40 and hey, drive till I tell you to stop. Yeah, it's not even like, I'm going to tell you destination. Mm-hmm. So all of this has happened. And like you said, you mentioned like they are very old at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're like, how is this going to happen? I don't have any children. So so now we see the humanity of Abram and the divinity of God like coming together in this like, Hey, hey, God, how are you going to do something that I myself can't see is really possible, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, it was this is this promise that actually we're still living into today that really gets set up here in this passage. So let's talk a little bit about how this kind of plays out in Scripture when we get into the, okay, yeah, there's a lot here. Yes, you can read your study notes. You can learn more. And we'll talk a little bit more about the covenant itself. But 
now that we can do a flyover where we know that this is a highlight, which is crazy because like at the time, Abram wouldn't know this was a highlight. Like it's because he still doesn't even have a son. Like it's just mm-hmm. so it's crazy. Right. Like, but we yeah. know it's a highlight. So when we sort of fast forward the tape and we know kind of where this is going, bring us to how we see how important this promise mm-hmm. is when we look to the New Testament. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. Dot com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Yeah, there are, there are at least three just hugely earth-shatteringly important theological things happening here. And and one is what I mentioned is that this language of, of through Abraham, all the, the nations will be blessed. That again is, is really laid out in Genesis 12. You have to keep that in mind because that is God's intention. Hmm. And so whenever you're wondering what God is doing, it's it's using Abraham's family to bless the world. And so that that is kind of at a back layer. But in our passage, specifically in Genesis 15, that comes into the forefront in an incredibly significant way, multiple places in the New Testament. And, and two are most prominent. So Paul actually devotes a good chunk of Romans at the very beginning, helping using Abraham to explain what's going on with what Jesus has done in our relationship to God. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read a section of that. So we're in Romans chapter 4. And these are the, the Romans chapter four, verses one through five. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. It says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Mm. So God's way of relating to human beings has been consistent the whole time. Mm. And what we see right at the very beginning of the rescue mission of the world is that people are made right with God. They're brought back into God's family and relationship with him by trusting him. 
and not because of their performance, not because of what they do, not because they're obedient. We know this because Abraham, like the rest of us, is kind of a train wreck. Mm. In fact, there's all kinds of side hustles that happen where God will have this profound promise and then Abraham goes and pretends his wife is his sister because he's afraid he's going to get killed. Uh, God makes this promise and then Abraham decides to sleep with his wife's assistant because, you know, that's an easier way to have a child than waiting on God. I mean, there's right. all, and all of this, guys, hustles. all of this stuff happens after God makes the promise. Yeah, so after like, the promise, not before. Not like, <laughs> it's not like, right. And so, any of y'all have been to a retreat or conference and you're like on that mountaintop and you're like, God, I give you my whole life. And then the next day you're like back to your crazy ways. Like that is the story. That is the story, right? Because the most of the time I feel like we need, we, we feel like we need to give God a little nudge. You know, yeah. God's just a little slow on the uptake. He's not really thought through what he's promised. So if we, we just kind of, if we give him a little direction, we'll help God kind of land it faster. Mm-hmm. So Abraham does that and it never goes well. But that is... The fundamental principle of scripture is that God wants us to trust him. And that is how we belong to him, not yeah. because of anything else. So yeah. that's in Romans. Anything else you want to say about that before we get the other the other thing? No, I mean, I think that like the other thing is I think you guys are getting this, but Abram was not a special mm-hmm. person. Like it wasn't like he did something to be God's chosen. This was God's plan. And his plan was to move in this way. And it's interesting to always think about the kingdom of God is about bringing glory to God to mm-hmm. all nations. Like how God operates is that his glory is shown through his people. And the change here that we see is that, and that's the whole story of Romans, is that who God's people are, are people who are saved by faith, are people who trust trust in God and believe what he says, not because of your heritage, your appearance, your inte- intellect, your whatever. It's never, it's not about that, right? And I think there, if, if there's one one word of advice I could give for anybody trying to navigate the Old Testament, it is this. There is one hero of the Old Testament. It is never the Bible character you're reading about. <laughs> That's really good. That's a really good way to They're say it. They're like, always a train wreck. Always. The levels of dysfunction don't know about. It's why my college students like the Old Testament so much, because they're like, oh, my family's like that. It's, yeah. that That is the point. The like, hero is never the person, because they're always a mess. It is always the hero is always God and how God is using broken people because those are the only kinds available. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Oh, man, I love that. That's really great. Okay, let's get into this. Let's get into this terrifying section of the the before we run out of time. Okay. oh, my gosh, this thing happening. And actually, this is to me is like just one of the coolest parts of Scripture. So I'm glad we're into it. So. Would Abram already know about animal sacrifice? Is that a normal thing at this? Like, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, Bible scholar, but like historically speaking, you know, we just, we enter in and it's like, hey, bring me these five animals. I'm, a, I'm like, did Abram have them nearby? Were they in a cage? Like, what is going on here? They were, we know. They were impressively readily at hand. I didn't understand. <laughs> I was like, apparently he had these just sort of in the back of his trunk or whatever. Uh, but <laughs> Abraham would have known about this. Yeah. yeah. By the way, we're playing fast and loose with his name, Abram, Abraham. It changes in Genesis. And mm-hmm. so if anybody's confused, that's what's happening. But the the language of covenant. He would have been very familiar with that because that's yep. legal. That's legal contractual language in the ancient world. It's it, there are different principles than a contract, but but it is a category he would have been familiar with. But God puts a twist on it, mm-hmm. and so the literal Hebrew for uh, when you talk about making a covenant with someone is literally cutting a covenant. Because mm-hmm. as you see, that's what happens. And the principle at play here is that you would. Like literally cut an animal in half, right? This very kind of bloody, violent, gruesome. Mm. I grew up in a hunting family, so I know how this works. It's a messy business. Yeah. And and then the two parties of the covenant 
would walk through it together because they're saying, if I break my promise to you, may what has happened to this animal happen to me. Mm. So this is a till death do us part kind of mm-hmm. kind of language. Mm-hmm. And here's the really, really wild thing that happens is Abraham is put to sleep, which kind of echoes um, when God puts Adam to sleep in the garden. Mm. And then if you notice, there's only one person who walks through mm. and it's not Abraham. Yeah. Abraham is passed out or I guess he kind of wakes up and sees something happening. But God goes by himself through mm. the animal mm. halves. So what God is saying is when Abraham, when you fail to uphold the covenant, which we all know is going to happen, mm. God is going to take the repercussions and the ramifications. Mm. Of that. Mm. So fast forward a whole bunch of years to the New Testament. And if you get to the end of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus mm. is having his final meal with his disciples, mm. so mm-hmm. a meal before he goes to the cross, and he says, and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. This is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the, the this moment with Abraham where the bodies of the animals were broken and mm-hmm. God passes through to take the punishment in order to sustain a relationship with Abraham. That's what Jesus says is happening in, in the Eucharist and the Lord's Supper. And that's, of course, what he achieves in his broken body on the cross, which is mind-blowing. Mind also think mind about this phrase that I'm sure you guys have heard. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through me. Through. And so... You know, just to to circle back. So obviously there was not like a great judicial system. You didn't like call a lawyer when someone let you down, like in order to really try to illustrate how serious you were about a promise to another party, whatever, whatever that party might have been. You had to say, like, we're going to make a sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice something precious in order to say that we're both in it. Right. So now let's let's review what happens. So Abram brings the sacrifices of the precious things but he's not allowed to pass through it. God upholds both sides of the covenant, right? So he says, the sacrifice of something precious, I'm the one who's going to withhold it. Then you fast forward to Jesus, who's now saying, take this bread, this body is my body broken for you. The sacrifice of something precious is going to happen here, and I'm going to pass through it. The only way to back to the Father is through me, right? So that's the part about, I'm just recapping everything you said, but that is the part about this whole thing that is literally pulls it all together and makes you like, oh my gosh, like, it's a beautiful to me as we get to kind of what's the application here. It's a beautiful illustration over and over again, like all through scripture from beginning to end. God is saying, here is the way it's going to work between me and you, you being the human being. Like, here's how it's going to be for me to be your God and for you to be my person. And what do you think is, what are the things, Rachel, that you immediately think of when you're like this passage and then Jesus? Like, what does it mean? What is God saying to us? Here's how it is to be in relationship with me. I mean, part of what's so beautiful about it is it is actually very simple. Mm-hmm. And and God is saying, you can't do this, but I can. Mm-hmm. And so the whole, the whole way this is this works is that you trust me to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is why Jesus says that the little kids are such an example of what it means to be in God's kingdom, because mm-hmm. they're needy and they know it. Yeah. And, that and they, they ain't afraid to ask for help. No, they will not say what they need and what they want as well. You you wouldn't know anything about that with three children, would you? <laughs> it's one of the best ways to understand God's promise to us, truly. But I think that, you know, when we go back again to the beginning, this whole idea of like Abram believed the Lord, you know, in verse six, like Abram's part in this whole thing was believing the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the Lord counted that as righteous. Like it wasn't Abram did what the Lord said. Ab- it just mm-hmm. was like believing 
that God can do something that we ourselves can't see or imagine or understand fully, but trusting him anyway seems to be what God said, credited Abraham righteous righteousness. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to put a deposit in your account as if you are able to uphold all these things. But reality is you're just, it's based on your belief. It's based on your trust. And that is somehow so simple and so challenging as a human being, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I want to do the workarounds. I want to help mm-hmm. God along. You know, I am in my I'm a Bible scholar, for crying out loud. I am the definition of a Pharisee. <laughs> I am she. <laughs> this is me. And so, and so to keep coming back to this and of, of God saying, that's not how it works. It's not because you know a lot. It's not because you know the Bible super well. It's because you trust you trust yeah. Jesus and what he's so done good. and what he's doing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I think about um, I once had a mentor say Whenever you're thinking about the Bible and like a Bible lesson or teaching, you should be asking the question, why does this matter tomorrow when you're standing in the grocery store line? Mm. And so I think about that because I'm like, oh, big, like this big concept is just, I mean, it's a weird word to use fun, but I, you know, people who love the Bible or love literature or love connections are like, nerds unite. That is so awesome, right? (laughs) But like the connection is only awesome if we know why it matters tomorrow in the grocery store line. Mm -hmm. And I think just for me, recognizing that God is not is not slow in keeping his promises as we understand slow. And I, I actually read in my devotion this morning, do you think that God only has one day in which to work? <laughs> and I just, this was from Streams in the Desert. I, I, I just love that concept. Do you think this is the only day that God can work? And <laughs> just what a beautiful reminder of like, God is outside of time. God is a restorer. restorer. He's a redeemer. He's making all things new. All of this is at hand. It's all in process. And part of our part of our joy and challenge is to actually just trust him enough to enjoy the day that we're in. Mm. That's beautiful. The preach. All right. That's it. That's what we got. That's, good. That's all we got. Yeah. Okay. Well, right there. Hey, if you guys are enjoying this, go ahead and go pick up the reading guide. We'd love for you to be reading along with us. NicoleUnis.com slash Old Testament. And next week, we're going to stay in Genesis. It's going to be exciting. We're still here. Yeah. I know. We ain't I mean, done. We ain't it's done. It's a lot. It's a lot. We're episode three. Wait, not episode three. Season three. Start yeah, next season week. Season three. See yes. <laughs> Bye, guys. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.